started. How's it going to work today? Oh, you're about to get your rules and... Yeah. I want to start whenever... I don't want to interrupt you two, of course, so whenever you're done... Oh, go ahead. A couple of housekeeping things, first of all. Um, last week, we did these next steps. If you didn't get to fill yours out, there are a few of them by the donation box for the childcare. Uh, so when you put your money in there, grab one of these, fill it out, and give it to... Uh, uh, you can give it to me, or you can put it in the box, for that matter, too. That's fine. So we're going to process that info. I've already looked at it. There's a lot, just so you know, there's a lot of interest in having some kind of a follow-up group. Um, we just haven't figured out frequency and what that might look like. Have any of you dug into this book yet? I was reading this is at least, if we were to meet once a month, this is at least a year and a half of content for discussion. I would encourage you to just start flipping through this. It doesn't need to be sequential. Just find the chapters that kind of connect with you. Great, great uh, resource. It's full of awesome stuff. So we're going to follow up on the next step stuff. And, um, and I... Hold on, let me finish my rules first. I'll write it down then. And um, then, yeah, so the, I think the, the, what a follow-up group's going to look like is going to be the next thing for us to kind of discuss, and we'll kind of see uh, who has an interest in that and what, that, what shape and form that may take. Um, if you have additional questions tonight that we haven't addressed here, um, there are some 3 by 5 cards on the little stand over there with some pens. There's no way we're going to have time to do additional questions tonight. I just know there isn't because we've got enough stuff to cover. But if something happens like during, a, during the discussion, a follow-up or a completely new question pops into your head, um, feel free. This is informal. Get up, get a card, fill it out while you're um, thinking of it, or write a note on whatever piece of paper you have and get it to me, and we'll do our best to figure out a way to kind of address that, okay? I would love to, in the next few weeks... I would say in the next two weeks, I would love to sit down with some of you and talk about your experience at Sticky Faith and um, what you've taken out of the video teaching, out of the book, out of the uh, experience around tables, the connection maybe you've made with people at tables that's allowed you to have more connection outside of that, and uh, just kind of uh, talk about that a little bit. I could ask you some questions, or you can tell me what questions to ask you, and uh, just to hear your thoughts on that. This is not going to be a one-and-done thing. This is something we're going to come back and offer again. And so if we can have something that's you know, kind of a testimonial or it's fresh on your mind so that we can share that with people down the road. Um, we finished our new palette wall for videos um, a couple weeks ago, and I'm really anxious to use it. So um, if you're interested in that, um, let me know. And uh, if I don't hear from you, you might be hearing from me. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, Let's see. I'm going to try really hard to keep things moving and on track tonight. Um, that's not the right thing. Well, there goes that. The paper from this week, <laughs> not last week. Maybe. It's in the it's in the car, dear. If it's, if it's in the, if it's not in the car, I'm going to just use like that here. Um, that's not the right document at all. Um, what? Yeah, I have a feeling I know where it is. I think it's on the island at home. <laughs> iPad. You know? Can you just drive, can you just drive back so. and then bring it? So, okay, we're going to, she and I have discussed it all. She'll be able to remember the things I can't remember. 
Um, the way I want to do this is I want to pose the questions as you presented them, and I want the first people to weigh in to be table leaders. So those of you who led tables, you get to be the first people to answer these questions, okay? Because I'd love to hear, you, you were chosen as table leaders for a reason, I'd love to hear what you might have to say. Then um, we're gonna, then we'll kind of discuss it from there. Um, we're not gonna add on to like follow-up questions, let's just kind of leave it there. And um, I want to be sensitive to, to us, do, I want you to weigh in, but I want us to listen more than we talk. You know what I'm saying? So if sitting around a table of 10 people, the expectation is you would talk 10% of the time at the most. Well, tonight we've got like 30 people, so do the math. So just be aware of that. If you, if you spoke to the previous question, maybe sit this one, next one out and respect other people's opportunities to speak. Is that all fair? Okay. I'm here as a facilitator, not as the authority on any of these questions. I do have answers. doesn't mean they're the right answers. <laughs> okay. So sometimes um, the answers are from personal experience. Sometimes it's theory. Sometimes it's because I have strong opinions. <laughs> so, okay? So here's what we're going to do. Yeah, I left that at home. You don't worry about it. Um, I'm going to count on you. If you're sitting up here, we'll be good. I told you what's right We sat over today for a couple hours, and I uh, threw a lot of these questions at her just to kind of finalize. I like to have an idea of where I might go with an answer before we throw it out to everybody else. And so we did that today. I'm, gonna, I'm going old school tonight. Um, oh, I'm not using any technology except for the... Uh, that's gonna be terrible. Except for the microphone I'm wearing, which is recording this for the people that couldn't be here. Uh, so if you're, yeah, if you're listening to the CD, sorry for that blank space, I spaced out. Actually, it was Mark's fault. No, it wasn't. <laughs> so uh, I'm, these, are in, uh, these are actually, well, they're in no particular order. So I'm going to throw these up on the board, and if you can see them, great. If I'm in your way, move, um, and then we're going to go from here. Some of the, I have no idea who submitted any of these questions. The anonymous questions were online, were truly anonymous. I could track it, but... I haven't got time to hack your Gmail account or whatever, so, um, <laughs> like, I know how. So, anyway, and I did some uh, handwriting analysis to figure out who wrote the other ones. So, so, question one. Hey, just keep in mind, too, just so you know, I am recording this for people who couldn't be here, and I did that Sunday night, too, at our meeting. I did that with a marker. So, anyway, uh, speak up. Speak up so that everybody can hear. And so the microphone can hear you too. Question number one. How do you balance respect for others while sheltering your children from negative influences? Again, table leaders get to weigh in first. And then we'll go from there. Go. Um, in my experience, I think the, the biggest thing is their, what you model for your kids. I think modeling respect for other people all the time is critical, even when you disagree. Um, I think we have a lot of power to shelter our kids from other influences, and I would really encourage parents to use that. I, we were always very careful about what our kids watched on TV and who they hung out with, and if we were worried about people they wanted to hang out with, they came to our house <laughs> That's good. to their house. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's a really good trick. <laughs> um, That's why you were at their house all the time. Yeah. <laughs> now we know. <laughs> um, and, and I just think 
purpose. Mm -hmm. Can we uh, work at a definition of respect? Well, I would say <clears throat> respecting someone does not mean that you have to agree with that person. I would say that is absolutely true because how hard is it, after all, to respect someone whom you agree with? That's not hard at all. The challenge comes in respecting people with whom you disagree. I've heard in this week in a political discourse, referring to political opponents as enemies. I would hope that we don't have political enemies. I hope we, have, we can have political opponents. That's cool. But when we approach a political opponent as an enemy, we've lost this. We've lost the human element. Um, so I think that's really where we put it to the test, is when we uh, are showing respect towards someone with whom we disagree. But what, what are the characteristics of, of respect? And the reason this is important because we've got more than one question on this topic. <laughs> I tell my kids all the time, just treat other people how you want them to treat you. And, and where did you hear that nugget of wisdom? It's in Who, the Bible. It is in the Bible. Who said it? Jesus said it. All right? We call it the golden rule. He didn't call it that. But, um, man, if we would start our relationships right there to treat others the way we want to, want to be treated. If we treat them as if they are made in the image of God because they are, um, it'll go a long way. Can I just add go. Please? On that, like, um, I'm wondering if this has to do with maybe family, other family influences that maybe you don't agree with, if the question is coming from that, if that's what... Like well, let's speak to that. Yeah. Let's speak to that. I know with our children, there were times when I would tell the children, okay, it's a, you know, that's their business if they want to think that way or do that way, and they have a right to, but our family does it this way. And this is why. Oh, that's good. And would you, is it, isn't it possible when it comes to our family members who might operate from a different worldview or a different set of values, that we know this going in. So if we're going to put our kids in a situation where they're going to be with, say, family members or friends whose values we don't share, we know that going in. So we could uh, kind of be a little bit preemptive in preparing them for some of the messages they may hear. Um, I still think the great referee is the God's Ten Commandments, how we're supposed to conduct our lives here on earth. And when something of a question, negativity arises, I think that it should be maybe analyzed all the way to what the epitome of the negativity is. I would... So that people I, turn away from that completely. I would... In a positive vein. Yeah, and I would... Um, take that one step further. Or maybe back up one step. No, I think one step further. I'd start with what Jesus called the greatest commandment. Which is what? Love, Love who? God. Love God. With the, everything in our being. And the second? How? I think all of the Ten Commandments fall into those two things. The first, what, four are about our relationship with God. The next six are about our relationship with fellow man. There's one in the middle there that's really about our relationship. It's about our own personal health. Um, but 
Yeah. Um, Which to me is kind of a good definition of respect. Love absolutely. Absolutely. There's a difference, let's be careful, between respect and honor. Mmm, there's a little Todd nugget for you right there. Yeah. Don't ask me what it is, but there is. Okay. <laughs> but there is, right? We have to be careful about the, uh, the people in our children's lives who we elevate to a place of honor. It's possible to respect people without giving them honor that they are not due. We, um, yeah, it becomes a form of worship, you know. All right, anything else on this? Um, ways to teach your kids to respect one another as a person, even if they don't care, seem to care about the other sibling. Um, want to talk about that one a little bit? That's just a little bit, a little bit different. I know, because it's in front of you, you can read it. Uh, when do we when do we teach our kids this? Before they can talk. Can you can you reword that? No, I'm no. That's how it was written. So I don't re. I'm not rewording anything because I don't know exactly what. I don't want to misinterpret something. So I'm trying to take it at face value. Did check, I did? In the interest of full disclosure, correct a couple spelling mistakes. Um, because just because. I respect you that much. What are some ways to teach your children how to respect one another as a person, even if they don't seem to care about the other sibling? Have you ever experienced this in your... I'm going to not... We're not talking about your own kids. I'm talking about you as a sibling. Did you ever not like your sibling? Okay. Did you ever have moments where you didn't like your sibling? Okay. Was it this week? I don't want to know. Uh, so before we're like, our parent, our kids this, and they're awful, and they don't like each other, and they're just miserable with each other. Now I can think about your own, your own family growing up and how it worked with your... Even those of you who grew up really close to your siblings, you had moments. Come on. Um, so how do we, how do we teach this to our kids? That would be a place to start. Modeling. We keep coming. That, so modeling is at the top of the list for both these things. I think I do think that's the best way to learn um, to be to learn respect, and it's probably the best way to teach it. Um, our kids know when we respect one another as spouses. They know when we respect our parents, our coworkers. They hear stuff, and if you think they have to be able to be, you know, have a eighth grade uh, vocabulary to understand that you don't like your boss? Are you kidding me? They figured it out long before you realize. Um, yeah, it's just, it goes back to modeling. I'm going to tell you, there, it's not... If we wait until they are conversive, we are already behind the eight ball on this one. So, um, yeah, it's, it's about modeling. And here, just let me... Um, this one here, I wanted to make a note on this, that the whole idea of, of balance respect. I don't think it's possible to balance respect. I'm not sure if maybe that wasn't the best choice of words. I don't know if I'm reading this right. But I don't think respect is about balance. Respect is about respect all the time, regardless. <laughs> so it's not like, well, sometimes I respect and sometimes I'm not. And I don't think that's what we're talking about. But I think we're talking about balancing this with this. And, uh, but this still wins. <laughs> um, 
Well, I was going to go somewhere with that other one. Now what was it? But shouldn't they be? <laughs> Wouldn't the world be a better place if everyone thought like us? <laughs> we wouldn't have to have this group. <laughs> I know. I know. What else would we do on Wednesday? <laughs> I think the whole respect thing within the household is a zero tolerance thing. What I mean, I don't mean you respect that you little 18-month-old or I'm kicking you out. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> But it's a, it's a zero tolerance. Like, you don't disrespect, and there are no consequences. So every time there is disrespect, there are consequences. You have to figure out what that is. You figure out on, in your own family what works for you. Um, but there has to be um, something that they're, they're going to think about before they speak to one another in a dis- disrespectful tone. Can I give you an example? Well, first of all, Alethea's mom and dad are coming in a couple weeks' time or three weeks, and so I've been trying to grab some of our old VHS tapes and convert them to digital so we could actually watch some of them while they're here. So I'm looking at a bunch of old family home videos. If you haven't done that in a while, I encourage you to do that. And uh, there was, I heard something on one of the clips that uh, was a, kind of a, uh, one of those uh, milestones for us as a family where we eliminated a word from our family vocabulary. And it was the word... Because you had, to, and it has to be said in a certain way, the right inflection, whatever. All four of us. I mean, she was, she had, was just putting words together, and we were all using this word in that way, like, okay, yeah, whatever. Will you help with this? Yeah, whatever. Aaron, do this. Yeah, whatever. Ben, do that. Yeah, whatever. And you know, would you grab the kid because they're about to drown? Yeah, okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> we realized how disrespectful that tone was. And we just had a conversation one day, and we're like, one of us said to the other, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that the way it sounded. And they're like, well, why, are we, why do we say it then? Why do we let it sound that way? So we eliminated the word, and we just stopped. And uh, that was the expectation. It went a long ways towards establishing a respectful culture in our home. When you enable your kids, like with something like an example like that, we, like, we enabled our kids to remind us. Oh, absolutely. Oh, oh, yeah. It was was in our minds, it was still completely appropriate for them to say, uh, Uh, Dad? Yeah, like, ah, shoot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I did it again. You have to create that environment that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Armed with enough humility, we can learn something from anybody. So we can learn from our kids when they're two years old and they they hear you saying the, the band word with the band tone. Mm. Yes. Um, how would you say you went about that question in a way going as far as like one kid is older than the other? You have to take care of your brother. And so it feels like sometimes the older child is getting in trouble a lot more because they're supposed to be taking care of the brother or the sister. Like, Do they know that they're really hitting you? Do you understand that? And I feel like maybe it's a me problem because everybody's looking at me funny. But you know what I mean? Like you say, you say... Ben, take care of your little sister because she's little and she doesn't know that's wrong in some ways. You know, no, that you're not making the, the older child feel worse. I wouldn't put that, I wouldn't put that, I wouldn't necessarily put that responsibility on your, well, on I mean, your kids, especially I mean, your firstborn because, dude, it, life's hard enough, right, Rick? I mean, as a firstborn, the responsibility <laughs> comes along. So, um, <laughs> it's, I have to be really careful, I think. And if somebody else want to weigh in on this, but I think you have to be really careful. 
expecting my three-year-old to act like a ten-year-old because mm. he was the firstborn of four kids already as a three-year-old. Mm. So I was expecting him to act ten. And my dad said this to me very carefully because he was afraid of my response. <laughs> 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 but it is a re very real tendency, and just being mm -hmm. aware that you're doing it mm -hmm. might help you to level it out. Mm -hmm. But um, I tried to be more gentle in how I worded it, and yet you do expect more of the older child. And But at, maybe at the same time, let that older child see you instructing the younger one not to hit. Let right. them see you taking action. And it doesn't have to be scolding. It can just be mm. instructing. But mm. What's the difference in your mind between scolding and instructing? When I'm scolding, they know it. <laughs> That's great. That is awesome. <laughs> I love it. I think everybody, that resonated with everybody. To be fair with that, I was coming from the side where I grew up in a scolding environment, and I didn't get the instruction. So I was always on the other side saying, have we even told them what's right yet? If we mm. haven't told them what's correct, then you can't be scolding them for something that they... You got to think of it before they do. Well, and you said in answer to one of these questions about the why behind it, you know, and that's a big part of creating that culture. Um, I don't know who submitted these, but if if you're all content to move on, if we've started to address these, that's it. We're done with that. Um, here's a good one. What are some ways to deal with a challenge in the heat of the moment and also incorporate love without just negative interaction? Man, that is a, whew, there's a lot going on there. So let that process for a second. I can, because we, I'm, I, I don't always have an answer, but because we already talked about this for an hour and a half today, um, I kind of do have an answer. I'll just start it so that people can maybe think for a second. But one of the things that we came up with today that, we had modeled for us as we were growing up, both of us, and we tried to model mm. for our kids, is when you know you're upset, like the heat of the moment, you know you're upset, don't be afraid to send your child to their room or to have them sit down and say, you know what, mommy's too upset right now. I'm not in a frame of mind to deal with this. You go look at a book for a few minutes and I'll come back and talk to you in a few minutes. Like, I know there were times probably my parents had to go to the other room, and they were having heated discussions because we heard it. But they were in a room by themselves, and it was, it was after they calmed down, it was when they got control of their heat, that they could come back and deal with us, I think, in a loving manner. And there were still consequences. They didn't let it just ride, but they calmed down before. Oh, yeah, because there's nothing worse than um, delaying... Um Oh, that was a the worst. Punishment. Well, no, I'm talking, yeah, on both sides. But yeah. if, if you're a parent and you delay punishment and you delay it forever and you're still waiting to act on it and your kids are 37, uh, you know what I'm saying? The kids are going to figure that out. So like, oh, okay, yeah, wait till dad gets home. Yeah, nothing's going to happen, so I'll just go on with my life. Um, so there's, but there's something to be said about that cooling down period for sure. And, uh, and if you don't think you need a cooling down period, you should just check with your spouse and see what they think and vice versa, okay? Because chances are one of you tends towards that more than the other. It's kind of, it's usually the way it works. Every moment, but you're talking no, about we're talking about heat of the moment, of the moment right? And yeah. I just, I know that you, you feel like you had that modeled from your parents, and I oh. feel like it was modeled for me. 
and I look back on it and I appreciate those times that my parents were just like, we'll be back. Yeah. But for now, you're in your room. This could be a lengthy discussion. You know, they went out to dinner, went to a movie. Yeah. We do that very same thing when the kids are acting up, we'll send the offender to their room. That does a couple of things. It does make them sit and think about what have you done, but it also gives us a chance to kind of calm down and think it through. And then we'll go to them, and one of the rules we have is before you can come back out and join whatever, you have to tell us what you did that got you sent there, and then we have a chance to talk to them about why was that a a problem, Mm -hmm. and then go say sorry to whatever. Mm -hmm. But that that gives them that part of it, but it also gives you a chance to have a a few minutes to just kind of calm and Mm -hmm. think. Well, Josh, do you ever find that it gives you and Meg a chance to get on the same page? Yeah, sometimes that sometimes that happens. We'll (laughs) talk about it. What did you think about that? How Mm -hmm. did you deal with this, sir? The other part of that, the second part of that, incorporate love. I've really, especially with Lexi, is a eight-year-old, and I've learned her love language is physical touch, mm. and it's not mine. Mm. But that's I interesting. Make a point, like hmm. it's not mine, but I know, you know, when hmm. this is all done and she's settled down and I'm settled down, and I make a point to make sure, you know give her a hug, I love you, you know, and I think knowing your kid's love language in something like this is really important because maybe it might just be, they just might need a hug or they might need you to come back and say, you know, this happened, but you did really well at this, if if it's the words that Mm. feeds that or whatever it is. Mm. Mm. It's good to come back with some positive reinforcement like that. (laughs) Uh, I struggle, I have, I continue to struggle with this for a long time. Um, and for a long time, I never heard any good advice. I never heard anything that helped me, you know, stop, pause, take a breath. Um, but the first good advice I ever really heard, and I've heard it repeated since then, um, was that a, the heat of the moment, you can't do much in the heat of the moment. Mm. The place to start is before the moment, is to change your expectations before the moment. You, if you think about it, you can, you know the moments that really take you to the edge. So stop and think about those. What are you thinking in those moments? You're thinking, I should be able to just have a minute to myself. This is ridiculous. <laughs> so replace that. When you're calm before it happens, replace that narrative in your head. Say, okay, when I feel it coming, I'm going to say, sometimes I get interrupted. I have a toddler. There are, you know, later in all of my life, you know, just tell, whatever you need to tell yourself, say that narrative before it happens, and with practice, there you go. it becomes more natural, and you have fewer heats of the moment. I liked the, the person who first introduced that idea to me, um, used the phrase, stop shooting on yourself. Hmm. When you say something should happen, hmm. that's when you get in trouble. Hmm. That's interesting. Changing the expectation like that. Them as a young kid, when they get to be an adult, <laughs> it gets bigger. It 
Yeah. We all have a, an image of, in our heads probably of what negative interaction in this situation looks like. You know, most of the time it starts with raised voices, doesn't it? Um, can I just challenge you with something? Just eliminate that from your family uh, culture. Just eliminate it. Just be done with it. it. Again, we go back to respect. I've never had a respectful conversation with someone where I've had to raise my voice to them. You know? And uh, so... Oh, if your kid's about to step off the cliff, by all means, or step in front of a bus, feel free, yell your lungs out and get running. But you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that, that raised voice and anger um, that is really about putting someone down. You know, um, That truly is a negative interaction. Um, yes? I don't know if this goes with this question or there might be another question it goes with, so you might want to you know, no, trail off another one. Uh-huh. But... Um, there was something that we saw, I think, in the leadership summit. It was a mother who had said that she was talking about she talks to her kids in questions. Like, what time is it now? It's bedtime. What time? What should we be doing now? <clears throat> and doing that in the same way as disciplining. Like, what is it that you did wrong? Why are we here at this moment? Why was your brother mad? Why are you mad? What should we do about it as a discipline, do you think? And if they always say nothing, then that would be a problem. But they should say something real. Like, out of these three choices, you know, what should we do about this? You know? And I've tried to do that, and that makes it a lot easier for me because there's no yelling going on in there. Yep. And the kids are kind of, they're coming to this conclusion on their own. Let me just address one thing here. Oh, do you want to? No, I'm just saying it's a teachable moment. Yeah, absolutely. She's got it absolutely right. Right. The, the teaching doesn't have to come from your mouth. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Sometimes it comes from the, the, the situation, and it's gonna, it comes from their mouths, and they've never heard themselves say that before. You know? And it's like, you're right, you know, to affirm that. Um, we do tend to use the word, word discipline when what we mean is punishment. So I just want to, there's a difference. Right. Okay? Discipline is a, that's a lifelong journey. <laughs> and then at some point, where our parents used to help us with discipline, we have taken it on ourselves to become disciplined adults, haven't we? You're like, oh, darn it, that's where I failed that lesson. <laughs> but yeah, that's what it, that is the goal, is for, for us to adopt some of the disciplines, the life habits um, that make us a fully functioning member of society and a, and, a, and a fully devoted follower of Jesus and somebody who can have positive and, and vibrant relationships come from disciplines. Disciplines are not bad. They're not negative. Learning them is tough. It's hard, um, but eventually it becomes a way of life. And um, so and it comes a practice. So, and that works um, as a grown-up, too, is asking yourself some of those questions first yeah. before you get into the heat of the moment with your spouse or with uh-huh. friends or anyone else in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, I'm trying to remember where I heard this. I don't know, I've listened to like nine podcasts this week, so I don't know where I heard this, but um, I was listening to a guy talk about our online interactions and uh, actually wrote a whole book. Oh, I know who it was. It was uh, Emerson Egrich who wrote a book called, um, I guess something like Before You Press Send. And he was talking about digital communications. And he said the very first, he has a series of questions to ask. And the first question is, is this necessary? 
How many times would we just close that message and discard it if we would ask ourselves that first? Um, or the comments we make on Facebook just to get people going and poke them. And uh, it's true in our marriages. It's true um, with our kids. Huh? Internet bravery. Yeah, yeah exactly. Until you see him at church. Okay. <laughs> then, it gets, then it gets awkward, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Puts you in your place, yeah. Putting that on there. Mm-hmm. I wonder, I just, just for my own uh, interest, how many people here tonight were brought up in a home where corporal punishment was practiced? Spanking. Okay. You, used, used. Used and, used and perfected. So that's the vast majority, but not everybody. How many of you and most of your parents... Uh, have used that same, not the same, but you do use corporal punishment in some form, even still today. Oh, yeah, we won't report you. No, no, no. It's not about that. I just want to say we're answering these questions, but we're coming from different viewpoints because you'd like, how we were brought you'd like up to? is necessar- not necessarily what we're going to do. By the looks of it, almost everybody had their hand up, not everybody. And then when I said, how many do it now, hardly anybody, just a few people, right. put their hand up. So we're talking about two different worlds here two di- Yes. And two you, different. Have to, you, you really have to be equipped if you're going to do this without mm-hmm. those kind of uh, consequences. Mm-hmm. And also sometimes you have two different children, so <laughs> the way you react to one might not necessarily be the nature of So you're saying if you have two kids, they're not exactly the same? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> okay. Well, make a note of that, okay? Because uh, that's uh, something to remember. And one, if the if the if the one coming along is if the one coming along is yes is is wise enough to learn from the other one's mistakes, yeah. I don't know if any of you, if you're the younger sibling, if that was your experience that you learned from your older siblings. So, um, all right, let's keep moving because time is flying. How do I keep a young teen's excitement about her faith alive through the school year when she's back with a variety of influences? I th- I'm, assuming this mean, I'm assuming this means like school because we've tied it in here. So I'm guessing those two go together. Um, and if this is your question and I haven't got the right idea, clarify. But how do you keep a young teen's excitement about her faith alive through the school year when she's back with a variety of influences? Table leaders, anybody want to weigh in on this one? It's been your experience with your kids. How can she find them? Well, if they aren't in your own church, find a church that has some somehow. Yeah, it's that, it's hard. It's Most of the kids in our church go to different schools. Very few of them are classmates, and uh, so it's it's a challenge. Um, Depending on your school, please, please do your part as a parent to find out if that school has any kind of Christian clubs. They just might. Even around here, there are some that do. There are some that don't. Oh, and here's an idea. Help them start one. 
Sue, would you like to speak to this, please? That, that is exactly what Kelsey did um, at Eldridge High School. She um, started a Fellowship of Christian Athletes um, club, and she also did some other things like um, one, um, one Day Without Shoes um, and some other things to um, broaden other people's horizons a bit, um, open some minds, hopefully. Um, I It was a great experience for her. She had to go before the school board and get approval. And What, you didn't do that for her? I did not. Right. I went. I know. I was there, too. Yes. yes. Um, and, you know, I talked with her and prepared her for what might be asked and um, prayed with her a lot. Um, I think one of the things that I think of with this is we talked and still talk all the time about everything, including um, what other, the choices other kids make and how that impacts you if you're their friend, mm-hmm. um, and how you can impact them. And, and that was one reason she started that club is because, honestly, she was really tired of all the junk that mm-hmm. was being dealt with at school all the time, and there really wasn't an outlet for someone <coughs> like her who wanted to be with other kids of faith and have a positive, caring environment where they could talk about things. And then it and then it it brings the other the Christian classmates out of the shadows when they've got something like that. You know, for years we did see at the poll on the National Student Day of Prayer in September. It was always in September for a reason, because it identified the Christian students right away. So you knew who those kids were when you, you know, if you either you agreed to go to it and you got there early and you're praying out there around your flagpole and the buses come in, or if you're riding a bus and you're like, she's a she's a Christian. I didn't know that. And then you've identified them. That's a big part of it, is finding a way to identify who those other Christians are. You know, really making sure we were supporting them. If we yeah, got yes. up really early and for them and made sure they had snacks every week and we made sure that, you know, J.F. Burns was a big supporter mm-hmm. of that. He um, gave the secret way to get into his classroom. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you mm-hmm. know, made sure that, that they had space and they had support mm-hmm. and, um, because not everybody at the school wanted the club some of the adults, um, and it was challenging. And so to make sure that we were supportive of that in more than just physical ways. But right. And in order to be supportive, you had to do your homework. You had to know what exactly. her rights were and what the expectations were. Um, will all schools allow them? Yes. All, government, all government-funded schools are will required. Will allow to, them to have Christian groups? No, no. If they allow any extracurricular club, they are required by law to allow Christian clubs. If they don't allow extracurricular clubs, so I think then they don't. I mean, could anybody, what I'm saying is, could anybody start up a Christian club? Like, could you go into GSA? No. Well, it's, but it's government-funded. So I don't want to go too far down this road, but um, it, it depends on whether you want to hire a Christian law attorney or not because I think some Christian attorneys we know who would love to take that battle all the way to the Supreme Court. Um, it does you know, have to be student-initiated and, and student-led, and, yes. And, and it can't be exclusionary. One right. of the questions right. that was asked of Kelsey was, can anybody join this yes. club? Do, do you have to be a Christian to join this club? Yes. And she said, no, you just have to be You don't a, have to be a, you know, it's a fellowship. You don't have to be a fellow exactly. or a Christian <laughs> or an athlete to be a part of it, so right? It yeah. Right, right. So um, it always helps to do our homework to find out what's, you know, what, what we can do. 
Um, and there's a way to do it. There's a right way to do these things. So you can't just roll in and say, I'm here, like it or not. That's, um, yes. I think a big part of that also is that one to five ratio. Thank you. I had that written down. <laughs> um, that, would be, that would be a big, Absolutely. A big part of it. Absolutely. Making sure that your child has that, that five. If they don't want to go to the parent, they can go to... Yes, exactly. And they, yeah, and we're going to talk about that um, because, yeah, just hold, if it's related to what she just said, hold that thought because we're going to come to that in a few minutes. But that's critical and it's one of the reasons we're shifting some uh, paradigms in the way that we're relating to kids. Can I just address a couple things in this question? And I don't mean to be nitpicky, but I just want to get realistic here because I don't know who wrote it. The, it's the word excitement. Um, are you excited about your faith 100% of the time? Like, do you live your life on a mountaintop? Because if you do, I would like to have a talk with you because I don't know how you do it. Because my valley tends to be Sunday about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Unless I have a meeting that night, then I wait until about 8.30. (laughs) And then by Tuesday, I'm making my way back up. You have your rhythms too. Our kids do too. It's things like going to camp in the summer, mountaintop. By next Wednesday, we hate God and anybody who loves him. By, and then, then you go back into school and you find, oh, there's a kid in my class who's a Christian. We're back on a mountaintop. Then we go to a Christian concert and we're on a mountaintop. And then we, you know, then we get in a fight with our parents and we're in the valley. And then, you know, Adrian has night of praise and we're all on a mountaintop again. You know what I mean? Really, though. And there's value in those things. Jesus modeled this. He modeled this for us. Life isn't lived on a mountaintop. They're great. Ben Rector says it's a walking in between. That's... That's the tough part. So that's what we really need to, we need to help our kids, especially if we're talking teens. We really need to help them. What, what, to do, what to do with this excitement, enthusiasm that comes out of some kind of mountaintop experience and how do, how do we prepare ourselves for the valley? Okay, um, and let's help them with that. The best way to help them with that is to model it. Conversation. Consistency, conversations. Um, it's just keeps coming back to you guys, and uh, the church should be a part of this, but the church, by the way, is us, because a lot of times we say the church, what can the church do? We mean pastors and youth leaders. From this day forward, when we say church, it's all of you, just be clear on that, okay? So, yes? So, I was thinking that a, um, maybe like a family devotional might be good if you're, I mean, I'm with, I don't have teenagers, so I understand they're not necessarily always as receptive to those sorts of things, but if your teen's excited about faith, then maybe doing a family devotional or a devotional between yourself and your child might be something that was good, so that you bring it up every single day. Or, hey, what happened at, church, at school today that might be something that is related to our faith that you can deal with in a way, hey, let's check the Bible for that part. Lots you know? of, uh, just keep having lots of conversations, and I don't know anybody else went away on this. Yeah, yes, please, please do. Um, I work in a public school. And I know a lot of times people think that the public school is the gateway to hell. <laughs> Doors opening and the kids are going in and they're not coming back out. Um, and I know the room right next door to me is another girl, another teacher who's very Christ-driven. Hmm. Um, and any kid I would take, I can't do it hmm. during school hours, mm-hmm. but any kid who ever wanted to speak to me, if they even just dropped a hint about church, God, anything like that. <laughs> You're all over it. And, you know, once 246 is, <laughs> we'll sit down yeah. and talk. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. There, you know, there are adults as well. Mm, that's a really good point. A kid, really good point. Another kid at the school. There, there yes. are actually adults who 
Um, Great point. And that can become part of that kid's five to one. You know, it really could be. Um, and I'll just say this about you, because uh, a few weeks ago we got to have lunch in Millbridge, and um, you work primarily with the migrant workers' kids, the Mexican kids primarily, right? Yeah. So, we, of course, we ate Mexican food in Millbridge, because that's what you do. And watch, because I've, you know, I've, I've worked with Rick for a long time, and we've been friends for nearly 20 years. And to sit in Millbridge having a burrito, and we got... In those two hours, we got interrupted like four times. And I use the word interrupted because I, I didn't look at it as an interruption. These kids come in with their families, and they're, like, they're not just going to like, hi, Rick, and move on. Like, there's a conversation. There's a, re- a real relationship that is there between the kids that you work with and their siblings and the, and the – because the chances are there's lots of siblings and the you know, parents and all that. And so um, if, if we as adults will invest in those environments where we find ourselves, whether it's daycare – or uh, school, or workplaces where there are teenagers working, or church, you know, um, to find opportunities to connect them to even more Christian adults who can be a positive influence and a kind of a refuge where there are maybe a variety of influences. That's really powerful. Thank you. Anybody else? All right. We're moving. I'm thinking about doing this on Sunday from now on instead of the screen. Because, uh, yeah. It's as big as I could get it. I, I, put it on Well, I can't put it out there because then I have to walk out in front of it. Um, how do I reassure a struggling teen with the horrible things going? I, I didn't know if this was reassure them with the horrible things because that's not helpful. <laughs> then I had to read it again. How do I reassure a struggling teen with the horrible things going on in the world and innocent lives being lost. Now, I'm not exactly sure what this is referring to, um, but I'd like to invite anybody else to kind of weigh in on this, or if whoever wrote it wants to clarify, that's fine, too. I will clarify. It was my question. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was my, and I was in a hurry writing it at the end of last Yeah, time. yeah. Um, I have a teenager who is struggling with all the horrible things that she's exposed to on the news, because they bring it into the school. Um, they talk about world events, current events, and she questions... How are all these bad things going on? Innocent lives being lost, people being persecuted for their differences, and how how can I, as a Christian, a make a difference, and b the whole question of God thing? I mean, that we're working on, but more of a how do I reassure her that God is alive? You know, okay, that, that things are. That, because what I interpreted reassure is to reassure someone that everything's going to be okay. Don't ever tell your kids no, no, that. No, no. no. reassure that. Because that you don't know that. Who are you, God? So, you know, we don't know that. So, but to reassure them that the God that we serve and who loves us has our best interests in mind. Um, here's the thing. The things that are, the horrible things that are happening in the world are not new. But the fact that they are in our face 24-7, that's a fairly new thing. That's, this generation is a first to experience that. I, I, um, we were talking about this today, too. I mean, I'll never forget uh, the, the morning of September 11, neither will you, but processing that with our um, eight-year-old, okay? And, uh, and actually, Rick and I were working together at after school then. We were having to, well, we processed it together all morning until we had to go to after school. And then we're like, we had to figure out what do we tell these kids because... Thankfully, the school had kept that from the little kids, and so um, their parents got to deal with that, as it should have been. They put it on the TVs in all the classes. 
in high school. Yeah. In high school, sure. Yeah. yeah. So, so um, I guess what I'm saying is like current events. We were talking about this today too. Current events are where some of the best conversations that we ever have with our kids where they started. It's about like, what do you think of this? You know, what do you? Um, how would you respond to that? How do you? How would you treat this situation? Um, where this person did this with Ben, it was like sports figures. And uh, we're, we were, he was big into sports as a little kid. And, and uh, you tend, when you do that, you tend to elevate them on a pedestal. On a pedestal and when you do, inevitably, they're going to let you down. And they're going to do something stupid. <laughs> then it's like, well, what, what do you think was wrong with the decision he made? You know, who's been affected by that? Um, and uh, so I would encourage you to embrace current events as talking points to launch into a deeper conversation. No, I was just going to say, like, that was huge, I think, for Ben and I both, just the way you guys, like, approach that and that you asked us questions about things and you weren't telling us how to respond to something or like telling us how to like what to believe about something like you give your thoughts and what you believe but it was always like you'd often lead with like a question so that it wasn't like us just taking on your beliefs and your thoughts and your responses but you allowed us to kind of develop our own well giving your own and and that has to be presented in a, an approach in an age-appropriate way. You know, you, I don't think it's, it does make a lot of sense to let your six-year-old figure it out. You feel, what, no, no, what's your philosophy of life, son? You know, uh, but as they grow, just, you, you'll be, if, we're, if we've got our eyes and ears open to the situation and to maybe the questions they're really asking, but they haven't been able to frame it, and you can help them ask a question and then explore it. I think when... when if you can come back to uh, the horrible things going on in the world, innocent lives being lost, if you can show your own sadness, your own um, frustration, your own questions about it, um, without going down a road to despair. Because here's what I've learned, and this is my opinion, because you're talking about the news, is uh, it's really easy to despair if we get a solid, steady diet of what the news is feeding us. It doesn't matter who it is on any end of the spectrum. You put that whole package together, it's just kind of like, why should I bother getting up in the morning because the sun's probably not coming up anyway. Um, let's not let our kids get to that point where we despair everything that's happening in the world. I'll tell you what, if you haven't had conversations with your middle school and teenage kids about what's going on in our country in the last two weeks, you're missing an opportunity. Have those conversations. Figure out what their take is on it, please. I felt like the same way with like my parents, especially like my dad, because he'd have he'd always have like one of the news stations on, and he would do the question thing. But like, I was just processing and thinking about a couple years ago before we moved that there was this one. Uh, she's a couple years younger than me, but you were talking about like that despair mm-hmm. and like that she she had gotten to the point because she had a physical like like an ailment like a disorder that was going on and she was struggling with that you know you know why would god let you know somebody suffer like this hmm. and then and then because it kind of brought brought back that conversation that i had with her because in a roundabout way but then you simplified it sunday the the like do what you can hmm. you know open your hands and trust god you know hmm. you put it nicely done simple <laughs> simple that way but like the the do what you can because she was talking about you know just really struggling with, you know, she's like, you know, I have the, you know, whatever, blah, 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 and the doctors aren't listening to me, and blah, 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 I'm just going along with everything, and then, but, and in a 
Yeah, like I said, in a roundabout way, I said what you said Sunday in like an extremely extended, mm. but like <laughs> extremely extended version because I was trying to find the words to mm. put the, not the, like you said, the reassure, you know, oh, everything's going to oh, be yeah, okay, yeah. but right. not that, right. but right. yeah, realistic. Right. 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 Dad? I was going to just speak to Carrie on that question, which is a deep question. Mm -hmm. um, people, young people that age, I don't like to call them young people, but um, these almost adults that are coming up and going to be facing the world on their own have never been faced with the issue of social justice like they are today. Right. 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 So I think a question back. You could think this over, but I think a question back is, how do you think you could be part of a solution? Not the solution, yes, because we know the solution. Right, right. And then it gives you a chance to express to them mm -hmm. biblical worldview, mm -hmm. Christian viewpoint of all these things. God is in control. He hasn't lost control or gone on vacation and let the world just mm -hmm. go to hell in a handbasket. That's not happening. And yet you look out and you see there's been evil in the world forever. Right, right. And it's not going to get better. Right. The Bible clearly says in the last mm -hmm. days, evil men are going to wax worse and worse. So that doesn't mean it's going to get better and better. Right, right. It's going to get worse, worse and, worse. and worse. Yes, yes. So it, yeah. And I know that does not very much of a bright light for <laughs> a, a teenager, but, but I see you. it's reality. I got you. And yet you can soften that by saying, the world really needs people helping on these social justice mm. issues more than ever. Mm. And how? Can we, and what can you do? Even in the context of our church, maybe you mm -hmm. could, like you, you know, you could be, you could be a leader. You you could spearhead this thing. You know. So. And I got I got a I got a question over here. Absolutely. And so if she myself is oh, one second, one second. Um, you know, compassion to these people. Have that conversation with her too. Mm. If you're having empathy, mm. put the positive. Mm. We need more sympathetic mm. people. We need more empathetic people. Mm. We need more people who would be willing to do things like my son did and <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, oh, that's great. And I think, too, where you guys do the Guatemala trips, I know you took one of the girls with you this year. That's one of those things, too, that you 
think about it, that's going to make a huge impact too, even if they're not constantly reminded of that. But it's still something that they're going to see, maybe not right now in the moment, but as they grow older, as, you know, that did make an impact. I want to go over to Marty here because yeah, he's itching. Bob said something about the state of the world, the condition it's in. I just wanted you to know that I haven't given up yet. I refuse to accept that doom and gloom. It's a man-made mess that's out there, and man has the ability to undo it. We have that intelligence. God gave us the intelligence to do that. I want to run for governor. I want to see Ten Commandments taught in our school and their work. In our public schools. Kelly? Um, just more of a resource than anything, especially for the teenagers. Um, there's a book called Do Hard Things. It was written uh. by two 17-year-old twins. And it just tells the stories of a lot of teenagers who have made differences in like their own communities and just like the little things that they can do that turn into big things. Um, yeah. I can't think of that. The Harris, Josh and Alex Harris, uh, I believe, are their names, yeah. Another um, resource is your BHAC. Uh, mm, mm. Yeah, the Big Harry Audacious Questions series, yes. Um, that's why I preach the same sermons over and over again, because it doesn't get in. Can I just say a couple things before you speak, and then we're going to move on, because time is flying, and we got kids, we've got to think about them in a few minutes. Uh, a couple things here. I, I feel like the question being asked here is, where is God? And behind that question is, who is God? <laughs> that's really the, that's the bottom line question. What kind of God do we serve? This God that we talk about and say we love, who loves us, what is he really like? He says, I don't have an answer to that. Where is he? And he isn't showing up, so what should we do? And uh, I would say that there are lots of opportunities in the world where his showing up is in the form of us. And that's why the social justice, we talked about this Sunday night in a leadership group, that we were talking about millennials, and social justice is going to be one of the things, one of their tenets of their church experience that's going to be different from my generation's church experience. Because it's not, a, it's not always about fixing everything. Because some problems are so huge, they have a vision. Like, like for example, clean water. Started by uh, yeah, young adults, uh, that initiative but I don't know however many years ago. Um, they're making progress, but you know what I mean? Is it, uh, are we ever going to be there? But they're just going to keep moving forward. And I, it's funny you mentioned the Guatemala mission because for me, Guatemala, Guatemala, those kinds of third world experiences almost leave me with a little bit more despair than I had going in because now I've seen it. I've smelled it. I've washed it off my hands. You know what I mean? So um, it's, uh, there's, that to me is the byproduct. Is, is the that's what we want out of those kinds of experiences is to have it come back with an increased awareness. But there's we should do what we can. So um, I challenge. Um, oh, I saw I saw Ben do this. I've seen Aaron do it. Um, when they start to make money, and they put their money where their mouth is. So if this cause concerns them, so we give to this cause. Um, we buy products that support this cause. Um, encourage your kids to do that. If you give them an allowance, give them an opportunity as soon as they can to give to the things that concern them. If it's a homeless thing, then maybe there's a way we can give a little bit of allowance every week to the local homeless shelter. You know what I mean? You have to find ways to empower them. Somebody over here said that word too, so I love it. Absolutely. Yes. Um, yesterday, I think it was yesterday, I was watching a 
watching the Hillsong movie, and um, there's a part where they're like in the, another country on a missions trip, and um, there's a quote about um, like somebody like behind the camera asked one of the people from Hillsong, "What are you doing today?" And he was like, "Well." Sometimes God doesn't want us to do something. He just wants us to do anything. And oftentimes, that's what's right in front of us. And right now, it's going to be playing soccer with this little boy. Mm. And then he left and played soccer with him. And sometimes we just, like, get so overwhelmed by wanting to fix everything. But really, it's just, like, something simple in your own neighborhood. Do what you can. Okay. Whitley, you're the last to speak on this one. Like, yeah, exactly what Aaron was saying. But, like... And the whole, the whole simple thing, because, you know, the whole, re, well, not really reassure, for lack of a better word, but that, um, like, looking at all of the things that are going on, but, like, how Aaron was saying from the Hillsong thing that, you know, you know instilling and, you know, really driving in that, you know, you could do something as simple as playing mm-hmm. soccer with a, you know, with you know, a young boy while you're on a mission trip, or you, you know, you know, you, you know, it's a, like, small little acts of kindness, because, I mean, it is very true that, you know, with, I mean, there's lots of negativity, you don't have to look very far to find it, mm-hmm. and it's It'll just, find you. Yeah, it will find mm-hmm. you, this is mm-hmm. true, but, like, Well, that's good, we could go, I know we could go for two more hours on this one, so, um, I guess, um, since you identified yourself as the questioner, I hope you. I hope you. Yeah, her email address is. No. If you. Um, if I'm going to give you guys all some resources that I think actually will be really helpful on a lot of these topics, but I hope you. If nothing else, you know you're not the only one processing this. You know, uh, we're from five-year-olds to twenty-five-year-olds. Um, we're processing this stuff with our kids. Um, let's just keep reminding them of who God is. And the things that we see in this world break his heart as much as they do ours. This was not his plan for mankind, for humanity. It's, it's the result of sin. doesn't mean it's a result of that person's sin. That's why they're whatever. It's just the result of sin in the world. Um, and uh, we are... Here's, to me, the encouraging thing is the darker the world that we live in, the more effective our light. So let's be light in the darkness. And uh, I think you'll find that there's less darkness. <laughs> So here's a question that's going to be simple for me to answer, because uh, I'm going to answer this one, I think, unless I'll answer it and you can comment. It says, how can we involve more of our teens with our worship team? It's interesting that it, worship team, because our teens serve right now um, in uh, Treasure Bay, in Jammers, in Surge, and they, in the past they've served on the coffee bars, don't have any right now, I don't think. Um, they've served on cleaning teams and they serve on CD duplicating in the media team. And the worship team is one of those areas where they're not serving right now. And you're looking at Whitley thinking, what about her? No, she's, not. she's old. She's an old adult. Um, so, <laughs> um, and we've had teens serve in our worship team. We've had two teenage drum, high school drummers, and we've had a high school guitar player. So here's my answer to that. Make sure they can play an instrument. <coughs> That's where it starts. If that instrument is their voice, make sure they can actually sing. And uh, so if you may, it may mean giving them opportunities and like, make sure in school they're engaged in those school activities that are centered around music. Um, get them lessons, give them private lessons. You talk about, we were talking earlier about disciplines of life. 
um, I love sports, but um, I've never seen anything impact like my kid, like like music did. Aaron did martial arts. I'm not going to push that with her because she might come after me. But uh, no, uh, <laughs> an individual discipline. Uh, I saw a lot. I've seen a lot of value in that. Uh, here's the thing, though. It's going to cost you something, parents. It's going to cost you money. And it's going to cost you time. It's going to be inconvenient. Um, ben started taking guitar when he was 13. Um, <coughs> drove him to his lessons, of course. He, I wouldn't let him drive that yet. And, uh, and I wouldn't let him work, so I had to pay for his lessons. And people today are like, oh, you're so gifted. I'm like, eight years later and $6,000 in lessons, you're so gifted. And three hours a day in practicing. And I'm not exaggerating. So um, that's my answer to that. That's not, oh, I've got it to part two. The, while they're learning an instrument, develop in them a heart for worship. You sh- they should experience worship in spontaneous environments. All right? It can be in your home. It can be on the beach. It can be on a hike. It can be in a concert. It can, huh? In the car. Some of the most some of the craziest worship experiences you've ever had have been in your car. I know it. Uh, so I always I think you're texting and you're just singing. So um, that's my answer on that. Anybody got anything to add to that? Leithia? Their own desire. What? Well, they have to have a desire. I mean, I'm not, as you know, I don't recruit anybody for the worship team. I don't go to people and say, you should sing in our worship You should play. And I don't do that. Uh, no, no. But as parents, sometimes we push them into, like, my, both my girls can sing. Neither one of them have to to be yeah. leaders in worship. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. I didn't either at 15. Are you kidding? Yeah. Yeah. Against her will. Yes, but she did it. <laughs> she did it. It's Here's the thing. Let me, no, let me just say this. If you think that, because Ben played in our band for what, seven, I don't know how many years, five years, seven, six years. And if you think every time he played, he was playing as an act of worship. He was there from the moment he arrived carrying his 65-pound amp and his, all his gear. That that was all an act of worship. Sometimes it was just to serve mom and dad. Sometimes it was just to serve the church. And then sometimes, even as you're approaching it, like, I'm doing this because dad would like me to help. It helps dad. Then in the moment, you kind of forget yourself and you're worshiping. And then uh, eventually that kind of finds its place in there. And now he's leads worship on a pretty regular basis in his church, so you never know. What do you have to add to this? <laughs> well, Not this one, the worship one, right? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I mean now, nowadays, working full-time and, you know, and looking back, like, while I was going to school and working part-time and all that kind of stuff, and, you know, it was that, oh, this is for the church, oh, I really don't want to be here, oh, this is awful, but, like, I always found that those times where I'm like, oh, don't want to go to practice. Don't like. I just want to like sit at home and watch a movie or do whatever, you know, or scroll through Facebook for like that five billionth time for the day. Right. And, right. But like those times, like whether it was rehearsal on Thursday, because like even back home, our rehearsals were on. All good churches had their worship t- team rehearsal on Thursday. <laughs> yes. yes. And so, so whether it was Thursday or Sunday, and I was like, oh, I don't really don't want to be here. I really don't want to do this. That that those are always the times when 
like the sermon like just drills to your soul and then like the and or you have a like, moment there's one in, song that like mm-hmm. like like the rest of the set may be like where you're like eh, these are my mm-hmm. songs, but there's always like there's always a song I love it when it's when you have those uh, transcendent moments that it catches you off guard, and you're like, "Oh, we're doing this song again." It's like we've sung it like nine weeks in a row. It feels like we don't do that, but um, you're like, "Oh, again, we're doing this." And then in, the, in that moment, in that song, somewhere where God just touches your spirit, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and it may yeah. be directly effective with like what's going on, like even outside the doors. Exactly. And we'd, we'd like to consider you as a, as a full-time drummer. <laughs> 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 that means you got, there you go, you got to get, you got to. It was funny because he had said that Punky wasn't here, and like, I'm, but I'm like, I'm hearing drums. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not thinking, I, I didn't even said. think about it because it was practice, but then we're up there Sunday, I'm like, um, I want to address a couple, two more questions before we wrap up. Did you have something? I just want to know, is there an age limit on your... Uh, typically, you I want to see them in high school because it's not till high school that they really are beginning to be mature enough to handle the responsibility because it's not jamming with your friends in your garage. It's not even a school band because there's a bigger purpose behind what we do. I was just listening. I don't know if those of you who are in a worship ministry saw this, and I should put this on the church Facebook page, actually. Uh, I just listened to a podcast today with Todd Fields, who has been the longtime worship pastor at uh, North Point Church. And he grew up in Andy Stanley, maybe you've heard of him, in his youth group. And he was, Andy was the first one who drew out his musical ability and his leadership and asked him to lead worship at a youth group one night. And now for 20 years, he's been the pastor of worship leaders at North Point Church. And uh, he, he was just talking about the, the difference between... Like, he started off in, in student bands. The difference between jamming with your friends because you'd like to jam and being a part of something that's bigger than any of us. And uh, so there has to, be a, has to be a level of maturity. That's why I've said high school. You know what? Some 15-year-olds aren't ready. Some 12-year-olds are, but they kind of need to wait because we need to see the maturity and they have to be somewhat consistent. Oh, the best thing is for them to come to rehearsal as soon as they want to come to rehearsal and hang out with us. Um, That's how Garth got to be our center stage. He came to band practice for weeks and weeks and weeks at a time and sat in the front row and hammered away on his guitar unplugged. He's like, now how do you play that chord again? And we showed him, and then he's like, well, how do you play this chord? And we showed him, and before he knew it, he was like a, kind of like a guitar player. And um, I don't know if this is still recording or not. And then, you know, so the value of that experience, uh, like I, Drew, does, Drew does this with his kids, and they bring their little tiny miniature box drums, and they wail away on them. And I love it when I look back, and I'm like, I hear this little squeaky voices, and look back, and one of the boys is sitting back there with Punky playing on his box drum during rehearsal. Um, yeah, that's a... We probably need to promote that as more of an open door. Got to talk about this real quick. How would you, the church leadership, like to see the sticky faith mindset change or affect the culture at FCF? I don't really care about this. We're just doing this to get through the summer. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, we are... We are definitely... It is... This is a work in progress. And... Um, the... Ministry to teenagers is ever-evolving. And uh, if, if we're still doing today what we did in youth ministry 20 years ago, or 
I've told people, like, if I tell you, well, when we did it, when I was in youth ministry, you did that, something, poke me in the eyes or something, because that doesn't matter. None of that matters. But we're talking about today's kids and how, what do they need the most. And what we know what they need the most is, um, is multi-generational experiences. So we need to equip our people. We need to empower our people. And we need to create some environments where our kids can have really intentional multi-generational experiences. So um, we don't know what that's going to look like, but we're working on it. One more very broad topic. What are some realistic and forcible rules for technology and social media? <laughs> we actually, I know it was one thing we started with the oldest two especially. And they're how old? Tristan will be 10 and Yumi just turned 8. And usually when they're with us, they have a very, it's been more lax in the summertime, but Strict one hour time limit for any electronic device, and it doesn't mean okay. I have the PlayStation, so that's an hour on that, and then that's an hour on the tablet, <laughs> and then that's an hour on the. It's one hour per day. Okay. When we tell them they can have, there you, you go. Know, okay. A lot of electronic time. Cumulative hour. Huh? Like so, they have if they're on it for a half hour here, and they get another half hour here. Oh. Is it just like a one hour window? This no, is your time. Okay. Okay. Okay, does that work for you? Do they fight it? Uh, yes. Okay. Sometimes. Okay. We, 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 what we've had to do, too, for that is, okay, you're going to have a bad attitude about not having it afterwards and stopping when we tell you you're not going to have it. At all. Okay, and because Christian in particular, we've had, we had to a few times, you're not even getting it this weekend. There you go. You just let me go to Scott and then over to uh, Carrie and Aaron I know we kind of keep coming back to but this is something I really the Modeling and consistency with us too. Like uh, I find that I really, especially in the presence of the kids, that uh, I can get caught up in it myself. And I'm, they're still young, but they see that, so they're not even Absol- screen time yet. But if they say me, see me on it all the time, whether it's family time or whatever, or it, it's something I really gotta. And it's tough. So really <laughs> Anybody else identify with that? Okay, good. <laughs> good. And the rest of you are liars. No, I'm kidding. Carrie. <laughs> Okay. Especially with the my kids being the ages that they are, like we went out to dinner last night, and it was oh, put your phones away. But then they see their dad pull his phone out and starts going. Yeah. Well, That's no, doing that it. means you. Too. Can you hold your thought for a second? Uh, can you? Has to, everybody has to abide uh-huh. by the same rules. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go to Aaron, and then I want to say something to follow up with that, and then we'll open it up for more. Okay. Um, I was going to say filtering stuff, like. Um, like for Ben and I, I know it was getting music approved. Oh, yeah. Um, getting mm-hmm. movies appu- approved, like, can we watch this? And then if the answer is no, then talking about why not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Wi-Fi um, is usually off. I think we, yeah, we, I oh, go ahead. Um, kind of on a different topic. But um, I think two ways that I've liked how we've done technology growing up is, like, one, not having it even now at the table. Like, every once in a while, if we, like, think of some funny video, then we'll right. share it. But, like, sitting at the table is about talking to each other. But then another thing is that when we do have meals together in front of the TV is to not be afraid to pause the Hit TV. the pause button. 
Like, we do. I don't, like, every night, basically, <laughs> we'll be watching TV, and somebody will think of something, and we pause the TV, and we end up having an hour conversation mm -hmm. and watching 15 more minutes and then pausing again. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. I just um, let me comment on a couple things, and then we'll see who else has something to say about that. Um, Aaron mentioned something about getting mu mu music and movies approved, and it started with music because Ben took an early interest in music. And so anytime uh, well, he went to work one summer to work, raked just enough blueberries to buy himself an iPod, and then <laughs> there were no more blueberries, apparently. <laughs> and, uh, but then it's like, then everything he got, every birthday and every occasion, he got iTunes cards. But it wasn't like, oh, yeah, if you got money, no. <laughs> uh, I need to know what you're buying. And so send me the, a link to the lyrics to the songs you're going to buy. And I remember when his first John Mayer CD he wanted, um, he was pretty sure one song would not be approved. And that one got approved, even though it had a PG-13 word in it. But the other song that just overtly objectified women with no offensive PG-13 language in it, it did not get approved. But it led to great conversation. So it's like, why did you allow me to do that? I'm like, because, dude, you heard that out in the blueberry field. It's like, it's, it's a word that people use. It's not the end of the world. This, however, is not a value that I'm okay with you singing along to. This is not how we look at women. And um, so that's okay. It's okay to, uh, and uh, he was 13. And so I would encourage you, hi, Jim, come on in. <laughs> um, it's okay to, to have some uh, parameters on that. In fact, it's not only okay, it's necessary. You are the parent. So sometimes we have to be the parent. You may not be the friend on that particular moment, but you've got to be the parent. Um, well, I was just going like, to back you up on that. It's what you said earlier, that it's going to inconvenience you. It wasn't always fun to sit down and read through every song, of every lyric of... Oh my gosh, yeah, because first of all, I'm like, no, I don't have no idea what this song or, even means. You know, somebody would say, well, I'm going to watch this movie, or I'm going right. to watch this, you know, and I'd be looking up reviews about what, you know, right. or whatever. That, Does, it, it, it can be inconvenient, and yeah. it takes that time as do, a parent. Do you, I'll ask, do you preview movies before you let your kids see them? No. How many times have you watched a movie, and you're sitting there with your kids, and you're like, this is yeah. awkward. Well, preview the movie. Have you stopped well, it? Like, or have you ever turned it off and you just taken it back, or, or shut it off? Plugged in online. I, Plugged in I online. Even before I watch a movie, um, I'll check it on there. I'm going to give you a list of resources, and maybe you'll try to remember to add Plugged In Online. They give great, very exhaustive reviews of everything, and you, then you can decide. You can make a decision based on your values, but you don't have to be surprised um, by... Um, I'm just going to write that down. So. And you may not even agree with their... Like, there was a couple oh, there's... I mean, they're kind of, yes, you may not want to watch Toy Story because, but, yeah. you know, you can make the decision. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I heard something a couple weeks, uh, by the way, we're up a, about three minutes, it's going to be eight, so if you have little ones, you might need to go get them just to rescue the girls. Are you okay? Are they okay? Uh, if you want to go check on them before, yeah, let's see how much, how much more life they have left in them. We can just put Lily in charge, we'll be good. On the floor, then yeah, yeah. If, the including the babysitters. I was I was in the queue a couple Sundays ago with the teenagers, and uh, I was subbing for Alethea, and I got stuck with a lesson on the Trinity, which was great. Uh, but boy, they got some deep theology that day. We asked a question at the end about. Um, because the lesson was on community, and the Trinity is the ultimate example of that, the Godhead. And um, so we talked about the, the need for community. And I asked them the question, where are you most likely to drift 
if you don't have the right influences in your life? And what is one thing you would like to change, one behavior you'd like to change going into this school year? Let's treat this, this beginning of a new school year like a new year, like New Year's resolutions. One of the kids said to get more sleep. And I'm like, well, that's good. But then where the conversation went was shocking to me. I don't know if those of you have kids who are, I'm going to say middle school and up, if you know how much or how little sleep they're getting. The average...